0: I've got the victory living inside of me. i got the greater war I can overcome. This ain't no time to turn back, no less to grow slack. i got to keep pressing on till every battle is won. Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School's the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. Hallelujah. Overcoming victory is always God's will for us in every situation and every challenge, but faith can be weak, or it can be not there at all. And it's only through your faith being fed over a period of time and you using it that it actually becomes strong. And so, uh, so many people, they're not feeding their faith, They, they feed their body, they feed their head, their mind, but not their spirit. And the only thing that will nourish up your spirit are spirit words. From the Father of Spirits, God. Jesus said, in John six sixty three. He said, my, my words are spirit and they're life. So uh, get your Bible, uh, get something to make a note with, come on into the classroom with us, turn everything else off, and believe that these words will come into you and do just what we uh, confessed, strengthen you, build you up, and quicken your faith. Father, all of us agree together as touching this, asking for the utterance, the guidance, the direction, the help for right now. We uh, acknowledge and confess that nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is impossible to you, nor to the one who believes. And we choose to believe. Show us the answers. Show us the way. Show us your ways and we'll give you the praise and thanks in Jesus name amen, amen. look please in hebrews the uh, the third chapter to scripture that we've been on for some time now uh, on a, our series we're calling overcoming unbelief and we're deep into this series if you're just now joining us for the first time it would benefit you to go back and and start from the beginning on this series And it's available to you online at faithschool.org, and there's no charge. Uh, You can watch any of it. Uh, Each segment is there available. But in Hebrews 3, our text says, verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. We see he repeats that thought. Uh, um, two or three more times in this chapter and the next chapter, don't harden your heart. He keeps saying it. Don't harden your heart. And he says in verse 12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So this unbelief and this hardening of heart are connected. And um, uh, when you see that you've made a mistake, and that's what it's talking about, the sin is error, making a mistake. When you see you've made a mistake, you'll do one of two things. You'll go one of two ways. You'll either admit it, acknowledge it, and humble yourself and repent. Or, you don't want to do that, you'll harden yourself and resist. And that's what he keeps telling us, don't do that. Don't do that because you cut yourself off from grace. You cut yourself off from help. You know, the Lord is, uh, is very gracious. He's very patient and long-suffering. Uh, but if you don't even want to try and you don't want to know Him and you're unwilling to do what you know and walk in the light, you're unwilling to admit it when you made a mistake, you can't keep going down that path indefinitely. You'll get to a place where judgment will come on you. And the special scripture said in Proverbs that he that being often reproved but he, he, he stiffens his neck and hardens himself he said he'll be destroyed suddenly and without remedy. And that's not God's will. It wasn't God's will for them to perish out in the wilderness and, and fail to go into the promised land. But it wasn't just ignorance. It wasn't just a lack of knowledge. They refused to be persuaded. They refused to be convinced and believe and trust God. They refused to obey Him and every time something happened, instead of repenting, they got harder. And every time it happened, they got even more hard. Can you see why he keeps saying, don't harden your heart. Don't harden yourself. Look at it again, verse 8. Verse 7, if you'll hear his voice today, harden not your hearts. Everybody said out loud. Harden, harden not your, heart. your hearts. Don't harden your heart. He said, I was grieved with that generation and said, they always err in their heart. So again, heart problem, hardening their heart, not just their head, but their heart. And they've not known my ways. Verse 15, he said it again, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation for some, when they had heard did provoke Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? To whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? But to them that believed not. Now earlier in the series, we, we saw and distinguished between, uh, I believe it's 1 Timothy 1.13 or so, that Paul said uh, he did what he did ignorantly. In unbelief. So there is an unbelief that's because you don't know. And the Lord's merciful with that. But this is a different kind of unbelief. This is not because you don't know, it's being unpersuadable. Uh, You refuse to be convinced. And that same word, uh, there's actually more than one word for unbelief, that word is also translated disobedience. Disobedience. And that's what, that's what he's talking about. He said, uh, uh, who uh, did he tell that they weren't going to enter into the rest? To those that were disobedient, those who refused to be persuaded. So we see that they could not enter in because of the unbelief. They thought it was the giants that was keeping them out. They thought it was the walled cities they couldn't penetrate and get through. They thought it was their own lack of weaponry and skill in fighting and any number of things. But none of that was true. It was unbelief that kept them out. And that was proven because the next generation went in. And it was the same giants, same, same walled cities, right? Which proved their parents could have went in if they would have. And for people to say, well, you know, you, you weren't there. It just, uh, you know, we, it was too much. We couldn't handle it. No, even in the midst of all that unbelief amongst two million or so people, two individuals didn't go along with the crowd. Is that right? right. Joshua and Caleb said, no, no, look, God's with us. Their defense has departed from them. We can take it. Yeah. Let's go do it. Yeah. Let's get this. Can you hear how faith sounds? How faith talks. But the rest of them cried in their tents all night long. And they said, no, we can't. It's too hard. The giants are too big. We're like grasshoppers compared to them. And the cities are too great and the walls are too big. We can't. We can't. They'll kill us all. They'll destroy us all. See, unbelief refuses to believe what God said because he said, I've already picked it out for you. I'm taking you in. But they would not be convinced. And that didn't just happen in one, over one episode. We've gone over now, uh, we're on our 11th event of where they were challenged with a situation, and instead of trusting God, they chose to doubt, to accuse, to blame, to disobey. And this condition of heart is called evil unbelief. And the reason why we're camping on this and talk. first of all, there's a lot about it in the Bible. Right? Should we think about the Bible? But then the reason, part of the reason for that is so that we recognize it. There are a lot of people that are in a lot of unbelief but they don't recognize it. They don't realize it. They're not causing it that. Because the whole world is full of defiance and rebellion and unbelief. So if you yield to unbelief, who's going to notice it, right? It's the same thing happening all around you. It's only when you start operating in faith that you start sticking out. You start standing out. That's why the Bible said uh, Caleb had a different spirit. Is that right? Different. And Caleb and Joshua were literally one in a million. Isn't that something? Because there were about two million people, is that right? And there was only two of them. So literally, and that's why the Bible said, you know, uh, faith is actually not found everywhere. It is not common. And the scripture said concerning the master, he said, when the son of man returns to the earth, will he find faith? Will he find it? It is a rare and precious treasure, the faith of God. And it is a measure of it, is in every born again child of God, but you can do nothing with it. You can ignore it, suppress it, let it become weak and non-existent, and just live through life like an, go through life like an unsaved person, always griping and complaining and being unthankful and all the other kind of stuff, or, or, or. You can come to faith school every day. Is that right? You can get involved in a good church. You you can read your Bible. You can pray. And you can let God fill you full of the words that nourish you up in the faith. And let your faith be fed and then start using it. Start on purpose saying things, not just what you see and feel, but what you want to happen, what you want to come to pass. Even calling those things that be not as though they were. And making plans in faith and taking steps of faith. Praying and listening, the Lord will tell you steps to take. And in doing that, you're you're feeding your faith and you're exercising your faith. And when you do those two over a period of time, especially over weeks and months, it will grow it will develop. And what used to seem utterly impossible to you will begin to seem reachable, doable. (laughs) Hallelujah. And instead of just fainting and crying and and, and saying, I can't when something comes up, you quit talking that way. And you begin to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, everybody say it out loud. "I I can. I can. I can. I can. I just, I perceive that a, uh, some folks have been saying, "I can't. <laughs> I can't. I just just leave me alone. I can't. I just can't. I just can't." Yeah, as long as you say that, you can't. You're stuck if you say so. But you could choose. It takes the same amount of breath to say something else. Is that right? Yes. Doesn't take any more breath to to say, "I can." Not just I can, and maybe it is impossible for you to do it in your own knowledge and strength and ability, but if you're a child of God, you're not on your own. You have help. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. So whether it's overcoming some kind of habit or some kind of bondage, whether it's making it through a situation that you find yourself in, whether it's dealing with people, even Crazy people, if it's whatever it may be, overcoming uh, something bad that happened, whatever it may be, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So go ahead and say it out loud. I can. I can. I refuse to say. I refuse to say. I can't. I can't. The word says. The word says. I say, I can, I can, I can do all things, do all things through, the one, through the anointed one, the Christ, the Christ and his anointing, and his anointing who, strengthens me. who strengthens me. See, with enough of his help, you can do it. With enough of his grace, with enough of his anointing, with enough of his strength, you can do it. You can, but not if you keep saying you can't. (laughs) Got to agree with Him, not disagree with Him. And as we've been saying repeatedly, faith is a choice. Choosing to believe or choosing to doubt. Choosing to trust or choosing to distrust. Choosing to obey or choosing to disobey. Choosing to pay heed, pay attention are choosing to ignore it all comes back to our choice and God won't make us he won't force us even if it's if it's life and death even if it's heaven and hell he won't force us but if you got any smarts at all you'll choose him is that right you'll choose help you'll choose grace you'll choose his goodness somebody say I choose him I, I choose him praise God Um, this passage goes on. We're there in the third chapter of Hebrews. It actually continues. You know, this wasn't written in chapter and verse. Look at uh, chapter 4, verse 1, which is just a continuation of what we read in verse 19 there of chapter 3. He said, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now he's talking about that first generation of Israelites that were delivered out of Egyptian slavery, how that even though it was his plan to take them into the promised land, they didn't get there. They wandered around out in the desert for 40 years, and that first generation, and died and never got into the promised land, never got into the land that flowed with milk and honey, never enjoyed the houses and the vineyards and all of those things that God had planned for Is it true? Is it possible that God could have a wonderful plan for you and you go your whole life and never never get into it, never experience it. And what would it be that kept you out? Lack of education, lack of contacts, lack of money. No, no. Same thing as this, what? Unbelief. Unbelief is what is robbing people of the very plan of God and the blessings of God. Said out loud, I refuse, I refuse to, let unbelief rob me to let unbelief rob me of the plan of God, of the, of God, of the blessings of God. Of blessings of God. I, refuse. I refuse. Verse 2, he goes on to say, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Can you see? He's comparing us to them, right? the folks that didn't make it into the promised land. And he's saying, verse 1, let's fear, be on your guard, lest what happened to them happen to you. They came short of their blessing. Don't, don't let that happen to you. The gospel was preached to them. Now, what does it mean, the gospel? He, he didn't say the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said the gospel. Well, gospel means good news. What was the good news to them? I've got a land picked out for you. Right? It's a beautiful place. Uh, It's houses you didn't build, wells you didn't dig, vineyards you didn't plant. Good news. And when God gives you good news, what should you do? You say, I don't know about that. (laughs) I hadn't seen it. I don't know. How does he know? And then when when they arrived over there and sent the spies into the land, it was exactly like God told them. I mean, it was so so rich and so fertile and so much abundance in, in fruit. Remember, they had that big uh, cluster of grapes. that They hauled on, on a staff between two men and uh, pomegranates and all the stuff that they brought back. And they said, oh, yeah, it is a land that's just dripping with blessings. It flows with milk and honey. But, but. There are giants there, but now, you know, why didn't God tell them about the giants? Did God know the giants were there? Yes. Of course he did. Could he have eliminated the giants before they got there? Yes. <laughs> He's God, right? It's a, yeah. Why didn't he? Why didn't he go ahead and just eliminate all the giants and all the enemy that they would have had to fight he could have easily done it God could have easily just had it vacated right so that it was empty of everybody by the time they got there but he didn't do that why didn't he do that because he didn't want to do it you know what pleases God easy huh? easy <laughs> Help me out. Hebrews 11, 6 talks about right. What pleases God. what pleases God? Lazy, huh? Easy, <laughs> ah? Uh, having to fight giants is not easy, right? Having to having to make through make it through walls, uh, cities, is not easy. But God wanted. You know, the Bible said the eyes of the Lord are searching throughout the whole earth. He's scanning the planet. God is scanning the planet. What's he looking for? He wants to show himself strong, the scripture said, on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Don't let that word perfect throw you now. It just means, one translation says wholehearted. Somebody that's all out for God or we could say all in, (laughs) committed to him. Somebody that's wholehearted, committed to him. That's what he's looking for. And when when he's scanning and he finds one of those, whoop, they light up. Is that right? And now what does he want to do? He wants to demonstrate in the earth. He wants to show himself strong, on their behalf. I mean, this had already been happening. What, what is God doing? We're still talking about it. Centuries later, what he did in Egypt to get them out. Right? How he split the Red Sea and, and water out of the rock and manna out of the sky. And, and see, the story was supposed to continue. The signs and wonders in Egypt, all the supernatural provision in the wilderness, and then we, we see the rest of the story. It just happened 40 years later. Right? And we see when they did finally go, that next generation under Joshua's leadership went to Jericho that had the giant walls that were impenetrable. And we, what, what happened? When they obeyed God, God took the walls down, just put them straight down flat, and they just walked straight in. That could have happened should have happened 40 years earlier with their parents. Yes. Hmm? We know it could happen because it did happen just later. So uh, uh, he, he said, don't let this happen to you. They heard the good news and we've heard good news. Have we got any good news? Yes. Has, the, has the Lord given us a promised land? Yes. Huh? Has he blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places? Has he given us everything that pertains to life and godliness? Has he? He has. He's given us eternal life. He's given us the peace that passes understanding. By stripes you're healed. He has given us provision. He's given us wisdom. He's given us direction, protection, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What? Promised land. Is that right? Is it good news? Then tell me the correct response. When you hear the good news like that. What's the correct response? Well I don't know. About all that. We'll see. I know you know them charismatic Pentecostal folks. They get all excited. I think I'm a little bit too excited for my taste. But I don't know if all that's necessary. Well see you don't believe the good news. Right? You don't believe the good news. When you believe the good news. You'll get excited too. Amen. Is that right? You'll, yeah. you'll get genuinely excited. Might even get loud. Might even go, whoo! Glory to God. Yes? Really? Yes? I believe it. I believe it. We've been given promised land today Amen. in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everything that he has given us far exceeds that natural promised land that they had access to. Far exceeds it. And it includes uh, a number of natural things now in this life, but then uh, especially after this life. But uh, you don't have to uh, fall into the same trap that they fell into. He said, uh, unto us the gospel was preached just like them, but the word preached did not profit them. Are you reading your text, verse 2? It didn't profit them. How come? The good news they heard about the promised land did them no good. They got no benefit out of it. Why? They didn't mix faith. It wasn't mixed with faith in them that heard it. Well, the same thing is true today. If you tell somebody that's lost, man, God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross. He paid the price for you, uh, took your sins, took your sins and everybody else's and paid for them. Uh, died for them, but then was raised from the dead. And if you receive him, you have eternal life and your name written, written in the Lamb's book of life. Well, if they say, nah, I don't believe all that stuff. They heard the gospel. Will it do them any good if they won't receive it in faith? No. None. It'll be like they never heard it as far as any good that it would do them. He said, just the same with them or with us, it's the same. It didn't benefit them, it didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I've sworn in my wrath, if they will enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Some have thought they're waiting on God to be saved. They thought they were waiting on God to get into the promised land. And they wound up waiting, waiting, waiting a year, two years, 10 years, 30 years, 40 years until they ran out of time on the earth and died. Were they waiting on God to go into the promise? It was His will for them to go in from the beginning. And there are many that have heard the gospel multiple times and yet they keep waiting, they keep waiting Uh, they don't even know themselves exactly what they're waiting on but they're not waiting on God it's his will for you to be saved before the foundation of the world and anytime you get ready to receive you can experience the the benefit profit of the gospel somebody said out loud I believe the gospel gospel. and and I confess Jesus as Lord of my life And I receive receive the full benefits benefits of the full gospel of of my amazing Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord. That's it. Our time's up again for today. But come back with us tomorrow. There's a whole lot more to see because every time we do this, our faith is getting stirred up and growing even stronger. We'll see you soon, back here in Faith School. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website. Our call is at 941-702-7390.